morning, church. It is great to be with you. Glad you're here. Uh, man, I am loving this weekend. I got to run down with our students down to Camp ACC this weekend, and it sort of felt like the first weekend of fall. I don't know if anybody else noticed that. This is my favorite Tennessee weather, where it's a crisp morning, but it's still 90 degrees by the afternoon, so you still get to go swimming in a river somewhere. I love that. This is my moment in Tennessee, so I'm going to enjoy it while it lasts. Uh, listen, if you're a guest with us today, you're in the right place. We're glad you're here. I do want to say, um, we just wrapped up a series called Glad You Asked. And I just want to say, if you missed it, uh, we're sorry you missed it, but you might want to go back and check it out. We've gotten a lot of feedback from that series uh, that the format and the questions we tackled were really helpful to people. And it might be the one you missed is the very question you want answered. So uh, check out our YouTube page, you, uh, especially last week. I got a lot of feedback from last week that the, the way we addressed that question was helpful to folks. So if that was something you missed, you might want to go uh, check that out. Because today we're starting a brand new series. Uh, but before I jump into that, I am so excited to tell you about a problem we have that I need your help solving. I really am. We haven't had this problem since um, January of 2020 was the last time we had this problem. Like that's pre-COVID. Remember that? It was awesome. And, but we have it again, and I'm so excited. Um, our parking lot is too full again, uh, which is a great problem to have. We haven't had that problem in a while, but our, when, when the people show up, now not you all, you all are fine, but when the people show up for the next service, you all apparently are taking so much time getting coffee or whatever that they can't find, or maybe it's because I preach too long. That could be the problem too. Uh, they can't find a parking place. So here's what I need. If you fit both these categories, now if you're not in both these categories, just ignore this, this isn't for you. But if you're in both these categories, we could use your help. If it's both true that you usually stay here for two hours, like you come to church and then Sunday school, or you come to Sunday school and then church, if you're here for two hours most Sundays, and you have the capacity for a brisk Sunday morning walk, um, you would help us out. If you, we actually own the strip mall that's down, kind of down Mount Castle, just past the church. It's got tons of parking. If you can park there on Sunday morning, that'll make sure we have room for all the other people. Now, if you're not in both those categories, don't worry about it. Uh, but if you can handle a brisk Sunday morning walk, and you're usually here two hours, and if you can make that your habit, uh, we only need, if, if, if 70 cars park down there, we're fine. Uh, we just, we're, but, but that 11, 15 hour during the transition, we get a little too crowded, so you could help us out if you were able to do that. All right, let's jump in. This new series, uh, it's a big one. It's important to the life of our church. Uh, how do you know when a series is really important to the life of our church? We make a t-shirt about it. That, that's a classic Christian tell. I think P Peter and Paul did that, pretty much. That's how you knew Paul cared. He showed up with t-shirts. We do have new t-shirts. They say, love everyone. Uh, if you want one, um, you can grab them. Uh, if you're able to reimburse whatever they cost to print, uh, that helps us out. That means we can make more t-shirts. So grab a t-shirt, though. We really, uh, anyways, it'll help you remember what we're talking about. And there are a lot of places I could start with this new series. Uh, there are a lot of kind of entry points to get into it. Um, but I think the easiest place for me to start is to tell you a little bit about me when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I always wanted to live in a different world. 
Maybe it was, I lived in one state and I wanted to live in a different state. Or I lived in one house and I wanted to live in a different house. But usually it was, I lived in this world and I wanted to live in a totally different world, you know? We had a big wardrobe in my house. And I remember opening it slowly, wondering if it would lead me to a different world, like the one in the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, where the kids walk in and they close the door and they're, first they're walking through the coats and then the coats turn into trees and soon they're just in a whole nother world. I used to wonder if I would find a, a rabbit hole like Alice does and it would take me down and I'd end up in Wonderland. I remember I read a book. It wasn't even that great a book, but it was a science fiction book. And the premise of this book was that on every world, there was one door. And if you found it, you could open it and it would take you to a different world. And then in that world, there would also be one door that you would have to go find and it would take you to the next. And as long as you could find the door, you could travel from world to world to world. And, and for months afterwards, every time I walked into a new door anywhere, I would kind of burst through hoping that would be the door that would lead me to a different world. And some of you know exactly this feeling, right? Maybe you read fantasy novels or play fantasy video games or something like that because you just kind of, you want to imagine yourself in that different world. Or, or we see it in little kids, right, who are running around and, and they're wearing regular everyday clothes, but you can just tell they are in a totally different world. They are a superhero or they are a monster or they are something somewhere other than this world. And maybe you know what I'm talking about. Somewhere in my 20s, I had, a, I had a realization. A realization that didn't exactly replace that old desire to live in a different world. I still love fantasy novels and science fiction novels to imagine myself. How, I, how would I do in some different world? But I had a realization that helped me understand that desire. What I realized was my true desire was not to live in a different world. My true desire was to live in this world, but just for it to be different. You know, that's what I really wanted. I really didn't want to live in a different world. I really wanted to live in this world and just have this world be different than it was. And now I think I'm talking about something that all of us want. You know, this world, but just no cancer. Or this world, but every day's weather is yesterday's weather. 62 in the morning, peaks at 88, back to 60 at night, right? This world, but there are more waterfalls and more time to swim in them. This world, but there's a little more love in my family. A little more love in my life. Everybody I know wants that. And interestingly, Jesus wants that. Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This world just different. Jesus walks around announcing that he has a kingdom solution to a kingdom problem. He says, the problem is that this world is not operating as it should. And so I am going to come to rule this world just different. 
And part of the solution Jesus brings is cosmic in scale, right? New heaven, new earth, the old order of things will pass away. But remarkably, Jesus doesn't just want to change the world. He wants to change me and you. Universal in scope, individual in application. And this impulse that drives so much of the ministry of Jesus, the impulse of making this world different, is driven, is rooted in the love of God. I didn't plan it this way, but this week's sermon is sort of a follow-up to to, to last week's. It wasn't how we planned it, but last week we we asked the question, does God love me? Uh, In case you missed it, the answer was yes, just in case you weren't there. That was the answer, yes. Uh, It was a really short sermon. It was just... That was the whole, you know, so you can go watch it on YouTube, three minutes, you'll be done. Boom. Does God love me? Yes. Um, we, we looked last week at, at this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. That's John three sixteen and 17. We looked at that verse last week. It's interesting though. That verse starts, God so loved the world. But nothing in that verse is about sentiment. Everything in that verse is about action. God's intention to transform the world is rooted in God's love, but God's love is expressed in action. God's decision to act for the good of God's beloved creation Love is the motivation for action. Love is proved in action. This is what it means. We said last week, does God love you? Yes. This is what it means that God loves you, that God has intervened in the cosmos and intervened in your life to enact transformation and healing in your life. And when Jesus needed to explain himself to Nicodemus, Nicodemus comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what are you all about? He says, I am about the love of God put into action. That's what I'm about. That's how you can make sense of my ministry and make sense. If you want to understand my ministry and understand my preaching and understand my social life and understand my personal habits, I'm the love of God put into action. That's how I make sense. And that's exactly how Jesus talks about us, too. That's how he explains himself. That's how he explains us. John 15, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So stay in my love. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. Just as I have kept the Father's commands, I remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Here is my command. You love each other as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? With sentiment or with action? He says, you love each other 
just like I loved you. This is my command. He goes on, I no longer call you servants. A servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. Here is the command. Love each other. When Jesus tries to explain himself, he's like, how do you understand me? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I am the love of God put into action. That's how to make sense of me. And then Jesus describes you. And he says, oh, I've got a command. Put the love of God into action. Love like I loved. Love each other. What this means is that just as the love of Christ, remember we said it was cosmic and it was personal. It was universal and it was specific. Jesus says, your love, my love, our love is the same way. It's universal and it's specific. And Jesus is always talking about these realities. Whenever Jesus talks about love, he ends up talking about the universality of Christian love and the specific practicality of Christian love. It's like he doesn't let up on it. I mean, you look at Jesus' teaching. Who does he tell us to love? Well, he tells us to love our neighbor and our family and our friends, and strangers, and our fellow citizens, and immigrants, and the poor, and the hungry, and the sinner, and our enemy. It's as if he's saying, love everybody, which is, of course, exactly what he's saying. But at the same time that he keeps stressing the universality of our love, he also keeps stressing the specificity of our love, the practicality of our love. He says, forgive people, feed people, clothe people, cry with people, sit with people, wait with people, celebrate with people, mourn with people. He never lets go. Uh, we're tempted, of course, quite naturally. If we want to focus as, as human beings on the, univer on the universality of our love, on the call to love everyone, our temptation is to instantly get generic and theoretical. Right? You hear people say things like this. I just love everybody. I am just at peace with the universe. And you ask them, yeah, but who specifically do you love? Like, oh, nobody in specific. I just love all people. Yeah, but what are you doing about it? Well, nothing in particular. I just think warm thoughts. I put warm thoughts out into the universe. And listen, I'm not even busting their chops. I get it. How else are you going to love everybody except to water it down and make it so generic that it doesn't mean anything? I get the temptation. It's just that the Bible doesn't give us that option. The Bible never relents on the call to love everyone and never relents on the call to love each one. 
First uh, John 4, we love because he first loved us. Again, our love is rooted in the love of Christ for us. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. Whoever does not love the brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he's given us this command. Anyone who loves God must love their brother and sister. So specific. This is about individual people. And also, it's always about specific action. If you got your Bibles with us, turn to, turn to Romans 12. If you got a phone with you, pull it up on Romans 12. I just want you to see this. I could have picked any of about 12 different texts. Romans 12 is not special in this regard. It's just one of these many places where the Bible tries to describe love, what Christian love looks like. And what's always startling to me is whenever the Bible does it, it becomes this hyper-specific list of actions, of very detailed. It never says, have a warm feeling of positive regard for everyone you meet. No, look at Romans 12. We'll start in verse 9. Love must be sincere. Okay, that's a little bit generic. Hate what is evil. Oh, that's super generic. Awesome. Cling to what is good. But then he gets specific. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep spiritual fervor. Serve the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with people who are in need. Open your homes in hospitality. Already some of us are thinking, okay, Paul, that's a pretty long list. You stop there, I've got my work cut out for the week. But Paul's not done. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with the ones who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. The list grows. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Are you kidding me, Paul? That's on your list? Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, seriously, Paul, you've gone too far. I'll live at peace with them if they live at peace with me, but they've got to choose to live at peace first, right? Right? He says, no, you go first. As far as it depends on you, you live at peace with them no matter what. With them, you say, Paul. With who? I mean, how many people am I supposed to live at peace with? Let's make it a reasonable list here. But nobody's surprised who he picks. He paid attention to Jesus. He knows that the love of Jesus is both specific and practical, but also universal. Live at peace with everyone. Let's read on. This is too much. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. Leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, he just stays so specific. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. 
And by the time you get to that last sentence, nobody thinks that Paul means we overcome evil with some sort of good vibe that we put out into the world. He means good action, right? I mean, just sit with this text for a minute and notice how specific and practical Paul's instructions are. There is no invitation here to get generic. There is no opportunity to get theoretical with our love for everyone. There's no vibe. This is not a vibe. This is not a mood. Like, like, like imagine if somebody read this text and then you're like, so what are you going to do today? And like, I'm just going to mourn with all the people in the world who mourn. I am just in harmony with the mourners of the world. No one reads that and thinks that what Paul meant. Paul means pick one crying person and go cry with one crying person. And then if you have time, go cry with the next one. And if you've got more time, go cry with another. But there's no way what Paul meant was sit at home and just be in union with the mourners of the world. But how do we do that? How do we avoid this natural human temptation to turn the call to love everyone into just another generic platitude. Because we can't actually do it, right? I mean, you know, just here, nobody else is listening. We can admit we can't actually do all that list for everyone, right? We can't feed all the hungry people. We can't with cry with all the people who cry. Like, there's not enough time. There's, I mean, what? I mean, I remember, it was probably 15 years ago, I'd had a transition in the scope of my ministry, and I was just aware of a lot more stuff, and I was slowly reaching a point of spiritual and professional exhaustion, because I was just overwhelmed by the number of people I was supposed to love. Uh, there were so many funerals. I couldn't even go to all of them. There were so many hospital beds. There's no way I could visit each one. So many relationships in trouble. There's no way I could give them the help that they needed. So many young people struggling to find direction. And there weren't enough breakfasts to go around. I just got tired I got heartbroken. Like all I could see was the failure in my ministry. And really, there was a point where the most logical option I could comprehend was just to give up. Right? I mean, the logic went something like this. If I'm supposed to love everyone, and I obviously can't do that, I might as well just love no one, right? I mean, why bother? If I can't do everything, might as well do nothing. Anybody ever had that logic appeal to them? If you can't do everything, you might as well do nothing. I'm not sure why it feels so appealing, but it sure made sense to me. In the middle of this season, uh, I was at a conference. I got to hear a preacher named Andy Standy preach, and he used a sentence that just captured my imagination. And then as I took it back to the text, I discovered this sentiment, this idea is, is all over God's word. And the sentence he said was this. It just captured my imagination. He said, do for one what you wish you could do 
for everyone. He said, you know, God has put these commands into our lives to mourn with those who mourn, feed those who are hungry, you know, live at peace with everyone. And that's what you wish you could do for everyone. He said, well, just start by doing it for one. In this series, what we're going to talk about is that that principle is baked into God's word about love. It's the title here, right? It's not love everyone. You got to say it very carefully. The title of this series is not love everyone. It's love every one. And that's how we love everyone. Is we love everyone by loving every one. If you want to avoid the trap of platitudes and burnout, then when you hear the biblical call to love everyone, you are going to have to translate it into a practical command to love everyone. That is what the Bible is imagining when we are called to love. When you read Romans 12, what Paul is imagining is not that you're going to try and do that for all the people all at once, but that one at a time, you'll rejoice with somebody rejoicing and then mourn with somebody who's mourning and then feed somebody who's hungry and then open your home to somebody who's homeless. Each one of God's people finding someone to love and if all of us love someone, together we love everyone. This is what the love of the church in action looks like. This series is going to be crazy practical. Um, We're going to be talking systematically and strategically about how God has gifted you to love, about who God has gifted you to love, and what would it look for you to love everyone. Uh, We do this a lot already as a church, right? We know we can't feed every hungry person, but we feed a lot of one hungry people at a time. We probably can't solve the great homeless crisis of the world, but we've put a lot of people in homes. One family, one person at a time. This is what Love JC is about. Uh, Janet mentioned Love JC earlier. I mentioned it last weekend. Love JC is great. I suppose we ought to spend every Saturday morning serving the city of Johnson City, right? Shouldn't we? Sure. So let's all feel guilty about that. Great. Or we could just pick one and say, I'm going to use this Saturday morning to go serve the city of Johnson City. This is a practical sermon, so why don't we interrupt our sermon for a second. Grab your bulletin if you got it, and in your bulletin, you're going to find information about Love JC. It's a great morning. It's one Saturday morning, September 10th. If you got your calendar on your phone, look right now on your calendar and find out what you're doing September 10th. You don't have to tell me. Just I want you to know, what are you doing Saturday morning, September 10th? I mean, actually, right now, we're pausing the sermon to figure this out. What are you doing September 10th? Because wouldn't it be awesome if a whole bunch of us showed up to love just one person through one project on one morning, one month, on one Saturday for three hours? That didn't work. For one set of three hours. Maybe I'll put it that way. Okay, okay. Three hours. That's the only time. Okay, let's do it. September 10th. Uh, Signups have to close today. Okay, you can't decide this later. They have to close today because we need the two weeks to get all the projects organized after we know how many people are doing it. And I'm hopeful. I'll just tell you what I'm hopeful. I know somewhere, I know how many people have already signed up from this church. I hope 200 more have signed up by midnight tonight. That's what I hope happens. 
Uh, that probably means you will have to sign up, just so you know. For us to hit 200, you'll have to be one of those 200. Um, in fact, if you want to ignore the rest of the message and just sign up right now, you can. Uh, because the, the whole message is about showing practical love, and if you were to sign up right now for it, you don't need the message. So you can ignore the rest if you sign up right now. I'll warn you, though, you're going to love this part. I know we love this. The web sign-up process is a little wonky, and I know you all love it when our web sign-up isn't as smooth as it should be. I know that's one of your favorite things. So if on Monday, after you register, you want to email me to complain that it wasn't as smooth as it should have been, I will look forward to that email. That'll be awesome. Just do it after you register. So here's what you're going to have to do. Ready? First, you're going to have to look in your bulletin and go to the link in the bulletin, fcc-jc.org slash lovejc. Then on there, you'll read a paragraph that will have the link where you actually go register. But because the way that link is structured, you can't just click on it. You're going to have to copy that link and paste it into your browser. I know, this is too much. Like half of you just said, I love Jesus, but not enough to visit three web pages. You know, I get it. I feel the same way. You're going to have to copy the link and paste it in your browser. And then they're going to need all this information from you. And you're going to have to tell them what service project you want you to do. You will have to get them your social security card, your credit card number, and your mother's maiden name. No, that last bit's not true. They don't need your credit card or your security Just, But you will. It'll be a pain. And halfway through, you're going to think, I do not love Jesus this much. And I am so with you. I am so tracking. I was right there with you. And then we sang that song where Jesus said, if you want a firm foundation, you got to hear my words and do them. And I'm like, okay, I'll visit three web pages. Okay, so no, we do though. We do need a lot of people to sign up for this. College students, you're not doing anything better on a Saturday morning. You weren't planning to get up till noon anyway. So do this and then do whatever you had planned, Okay. Sign up for Love JC. Hundreds of people. Why do we need hundreds of people out there? Because no one is going to believe we love them if our strategy for loving them is to sit at home and think warm thoughts about them. That isn't how love works. It's not how Jesus' love works. It's not how our love works. So I really do. I hope I hope hundreds of you today go through the hassle I just described. And if some of you are on your phone signing up for Love JC right now, don't pay attention to me. Keep signing up. Let's do it. This is the thing. Now, don't worry. We will not have a four web page, three web page phone sign up opportunity every Sunday for the next six weeks. If some of you thought that was coming, I know you'd be out and you wouldn't come back. But we are going to have a challenge over the next six weeks. Um, I hope the next six weeks disrupt your life a little bit. Uh, and I want to talk about what I hope that disruption looks like. I hope that disruption uh, is significant. Let me tell you what I hope happens, okay? First thing is I hope that you commit to be here every week for the next five weeks. This sermon really isn't part of the series. This is just the warm-up. The kickoff is next week. I want you to be here every week for five weeks. If you have to travel... Find us online. Make a commitment. Because they're, they're all part of a series. They all kind of work together. I don't want you to miss any piece of the puzzle. Okay? Secondly, I want you to invite someone to join you for this series. This is going to be a great entry point into who the church is and who God is. Because everybody you know either wants to live in a different world or they want this world to be different. And so does Jesus. So bring them. Say, hey, we're talking over the next five weeks about how if we loved a little more like Jesus did, We'd live in a better world. 
And how can we help accomplish that? Bring somebody with you next week, okay? That's the first challenge. Come every week, bring every week. The second challenge is, I want you to grab one of these books and I want you to get fully engaged because most of what's happening as part of this Love Everyone experience isn't what's happening here in the worship center. In this little book, we've got daily devotions. The daily devotions start not this week, but next week because next week's the kickoff. I hope everybody in the church gets one of these books, okay? If you've got five bucks, to offset the printing costs, please give us five bucks to offset the printing costs. If you don't have five bucks, please just distract the young woman at the kiosk, grab five and run, okay? If you've got five bucks, offset the costs. If you don't, just take one. Do the daily devotions. Also in this booklet are group study guides. I want everybody here to be in a group that is doing love everyone. Maybe you've already got a group and you're already in it. Great. Maybe you want us to help you find a group. Show up on Wednesday nights. If you're worshiping with us online, I say to you, we have online group options. The Zoom Love Everyone group starts not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, 645. Contact the church if you want the Zoom room details, because I'm not putting them in the sermon so we don't have strangers show up. Uh, But we want you there. Uh, So get those details from us. We've got new groups launching on Sunday morning. We've got new groups launching throughout the week. Here's the other thing, though. With this guide, you just buy one of these for everybody you plan to invite or steal them. Either way is fine. Grab one of these for everybody you plan to invite. You can lead a group all on your own. Everything you need in here. The daily devos are in here. The study guides are in here. The directions for how to find the videos are in here. Just gather five people who wish the world was better. That's the only thing they need to be a part of this group. If they wish the world was better than it was, invite them. And for five weeks, you look at how the path of Christ would lead us to a better world. And they're going to be intrigued by that. It's going to be good stuff, okay? Grab one of these. Of course, if you want to go all in, you're here every week, you get a book, you're in a group, you do the devos, and you get a t-shirt. So that's that's what else. So stop by and get a t-shirt if you really want a t-shirt as well. Now, why would you do all that? Why would you commit to all that stuff? Oh, I forgot one other thing. Um, Parents. These devos have been written so that we think your kids, 10 and up, will be able to learn from them. Read the Bible and understand the devos. And so I would really challenge you parents, get one of these, not for your family. Couples, don't get one for a couple. Get one for every single person. We have printed tons of these. And if you've got kids, get one for your kids, get one for your grandkids, and just challenge them to do the daily devos. They're super short. It's usually like 10 verses from the Bible and like 40 words of reflection. They are not going to be long, but they will transform you. If you give give yourself five weeks in God's word, it'll be really meaningful. You do that as a family. If you've never done family devos, this will be an easy way to get started. All right, now why would you do all that? Well, you do that uh, because you still want to live in a different world. More to the point, you want to live in this world. You just want it to be different. And so does Jesus. And the way Jesus did that was by letting his love turn into action. Action that was universal. Action that was specific. And he calls us the same thing. So I'm going to close our time in prayer right now. I'm just going to pray a blessing over you. I'm going to play a blessing over these next five weeks. We think this, this could be a significant spiritual experience for a lot of us as we kind of get serious about living obediently to Christ. And I hope you'll just go all in in all the ways I mentioned. Let's pray together. 
God, we thank you that Jesus' love was not mere sentiment, but was decisive action on our behalf. God, we thank you that Jesus' love was universal, cosmic in scope, but was also specific, personal in effect. And now we hear him command us again and again to love as he loved. And so we just pray that you would accomplish the same thing in us. Teach us, God, to love everyone by loving one person at a time. Make us together those instruments of your love. This is our prayer, Lord Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, right now I invite you to stand. We're going to sing a song of commitment. Maybe as you sing, your commitment is going to be, I'm going to wade through all those web pages and get signed up for Love JC by midnight tonight when registration closes. Because I want to be with my church making a difference in two weeks on Saturday. Maybe that's your commitment. Maybe your commitment is, I'm going all in without love everyone. I'm going to get the booklet and the t-shirt. I'm going to launch a group. I'm doing the whole thing. Maybe your commitment is, I want to be in Christ's love and you need to receive the love of Christ today. Maybe you need to join the church. I don't know, but let yourself make the commitment you need to make as we sing together right now.